Welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey and I'm your host. Today we're going to be speaking with Patrice Washington and I'm so excited about this interview. She is a best-selling author, a captivating speaker, and hope restoring coach to women who want to do good work in the world. And I mean good work in the world. She has a new book out called Redefining Wealth for Yourself. It's her fourth book. And you can see Patrice all over the internet. She's been on Dr. Oz. She was a regular on Steve Harvey. She's a great mentor. And I heard about her from a YouTube video and I was absolutely intrigued by what she said. She is definitely an EQ minded person. And that's what I want on my show. People who understand emotional intelligence. She's going to be talking to us about her new book. And we're going to be talking about what motivates Patrice and also how parenting, her parenting style, how that has affected her career and vice versa. So she has six pillars we're going to discuss. Like I have the five principles of emotional intelligence. So we're going to dig into that. And I hope you really enjoy this. And hey, Patrice. Hey, Trina. I'm on your podcast. Oh, Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) Well, it was your encouragement that got me here. And I have been loving every moment of it since I started. Patrice, I have nothing but positive things to say about Ms. Patrice Washington, and I'm so honored to have her on my podcast today. And welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. So what motivates you to do what you do? What motivates me to do what I do? Mm -hmm. The aha moments. I see, read, and feel from the people that I serve. Mm. That's the thing that makes me keep getting up, even when I don't feel like it, even when I haven't had the best day, the best week, the best month, you name it. Many of us didn't have the best 2020, right? But there's something that has to be bigger than you that gets you to keep showing up in spite of. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's being an example to the women that I serve that obtaining success, however they define it, or building wealth, however they choose to define it, doesn't have to look like stress and struggle and strife all the time. It can be done with ease and grace and peace and not easy, but also not going against the natural grain of just who we naturally are, who we're called to be. And when I see women like you (laughs) not fighting anymore and like showing up and doing their thing, it's the thing that makes me say, well, who's my next Trina? Like person, (laughs) you know, that will, will really tap into what they're being called to do and just own it and hopefully enjoy it and love it the way that we both enjoy and love what we do. Yes, yes. And part of the reason why I wanted you on EQ Above IQ was because of my journey with you and working with you and how how much clarity you created for me in finding what my purpose was. I knew I was always going to write books for children. I knew that I had a calling 
for for this, but uh, you know, just having that this is how I'm going to do it is really been like a blessing. And so you're here to tell me and my listeners just how to get to that point. Like you you've got this new book coming out. <sighs> Yay! I'm excited. <laughs> you know, this is this is wonderful. Tell me a little bit about the book so that listeners can get to understand what that's about. So Redefine Wealth for Yourself is my forthcoming book that I'm so excited about because it's based on the six pillars that I teach on my podcast, Redefining Wealth. And those pillars even came out of my own journey. So just a little backstory for those of you who have never heard of me. I always tell people I'm not here just because of textbook, although I have the education. I'm really here because of testimony. And Trina, I went through my own season, as you know, where I was questioning my purpose. What are my gifts? What am I really called to do? Because my original business, which was a real estate and mortgage brokerage that I founded during senior year in college, went on to become a seven-figure business, but then crashed at the height of the recession, the last great recession. And so I went from this seven-figure business to literally scraping up change and being in this space where I was like, but I thought that was my thing. Mm, I thought I was going to do this for the rest of my life. No one had taught me this idea that purpose evolves. And just because you're called to do something in one season doesn't mean that you'll be called to do it in every season of your life. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I found myself like, well, what do I do now? This is all I know. This is the worst possible industry <laughs> real estate to be in at this time. Mm. What am I supposed to do? At the same time, I also had a brand new baby. I was on bed rest when this all started, waiting to have my daughter, 10 weeks of hospital bed rest. Oh, wow. And those banks were closing down left and right. And now here I am on bed rest, watching the news, watching the banks that I work with close down, getting the phone calls from the loan officers and real estate agents on my team. I had 16 at the time who were like, not a deal is closing. Nothing is coming together. Clients are losing deposits. They're talking about suing. What are we going to do? And I'm on bed rest, tilted mm -hmm. in the hospital. Can't help mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And having to make the choice to surrender and say, you know what? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when I get out of here. But right now, the only thing I can focus on is bringing this baby into the world as you know, healthy as I possibly can. And my daughter was still born 10 weeks prematurely and then navigating her NICU stay and then bringing home this tiny four pound baby when she was released from the hospital. She was barely four pounds and something. Uh -huh. And so how can I be focused on purpose when my life feels like it's crumbling? Purpose? <sighs> what? Yes. Do what you're passionate about. What? I don't have food. Like you're just trying to survive at that point. You're in survival mode. And so to, to be in survival mode and then still try to assess, but what am I called to do? And, you know, that's why in 2020, I kept telling people purpose isn't postponed. Mm -hmm. Like even in the midst of a very challenging time, it's still there. Yeah. There's still something that is meant for you. It may look different in and out of this time, but the core of it is, is still there. Yeah. And girl, ooh. <laughs> you are, you, but you already had, 
your armor built up for 2020 after that experience. Honestly, oh, yes, you had your oh, resiliency yes. set up. This, this is like, okay, all I got to do is stay in the house now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because the year before I had made my daughter, who's now 13, when she was going to, when she was prepping for middle school, it hit me. She's going to middle school. Like, this is when it starts to get real, right? Not just right. education-wise, but the hormones and the boys and the, all the things, all the conversations, the mean girls. And I had made a decision in 2018, 2019, that by the time she got to middle school, I didn't want to have to be on the road all the time because I didn't want to miss those conversations. I didn't want to miss the after school talk. I didn't want to miss the, well, what if a boy does this? And I didn't want her going into this cocoon or shell of like, well, I can't talk to my dad. My mom is always on the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk to my friend. I'm like, no, I am the friend. I'm the first friend. You can have friends, but I'm the friend. Yes. <laughs> and I need to be available. And so I started to shift a lot of my model so that I could be you know, more at home. So when COVID hit, I was like, well, all right. Yeah, right. Perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Perfect timing for Mm -hmm. you to do what I call the five principles of emotional intelligence, which is being self-aware, learning how to self-regulate yourself. Because right now with all these kids in the house every day, day in, day out, you, I love my baby, but can you, you need talking? to go to somebody's school. <laughs> Wait, what? Can, can you stop what? talking? What are you talking about? Okay. And then being the motivation to continue to do what you're doing and yet have that empathy for yourself and self-care and compassion and, and navigating the social relationships, you know, based on all those things. And, you know, mm. those are basically the five principles of uh, good. EQ above IQ. You mentioned some pillars, what are the pillars you're talking about that you're outlining in your book? You know, and, and I'm glad you asked me that because in the same way, I feel like your pillars were preparation for how to go through COVID. I also feel like what we talk about at Redefining Wealth really was preparation as well. Like if you're really thinking about it, right? But I was like, all these things, if you were on a scale of one to 10 and you were zero <laughs> in any of these pillars, Going through something like a global pandemic will really amplify where you have not been paying attention. And it is more than a notion, right? (laughs) So for us, the very first one is the fit pillar. It's about becoming your best self. And in that pillar, a lot of people think it's just about physical health, which is important. Obviously, we see that that is incredibly important. The big takeaway has also been mental health. The challenges that people have had during the last year, if you were already fragile in that area, already not taking care of your mental health, not feeding yourself the right information, whether that's what you're watching, what you're listening to, whatever content or media you may be consuming. Mm. If you've been ignoring any mental illness diagnosis, like, you know, like saying, oh, that's not my thing. And I busy myself with work to avoid it. And now you're in the house all the time and you can't avoid it. Right. The fit pillar is all about understanding that if you have a vision for your life, if you're a parent and you have a vision for your children and what you expect or would like for them to do years away, you only get one vessel. 
Like you only have one body that's going to help you execute that vision without your body, without the mental and physical and, you know, emotional pieces in, in order. That's always going to be a difficult task because life is life. How I love that you mentioned the mental health piece. And I've talked to, to my followers and listeners about my PMDD, which is something Mm -hmm. that just two years I was diagnosed with. And I was like, Oh, wow. That just really makes a lot of sense. How could I be this just happy, bubbly person? And then all of a sudden, right around that cycle time, the world feels like it's going to end. And so having that self-awareness really helped me keep things in perspective, learn how to self-regulate better, differently, and your mental wellness affects your physical wellness. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I remember years ago, Trina, when I worked with a gentleman, very short, it was a temporary situation <laughs> and I was trying to rebuild and get off my brother's couch after that season where I lost everything. And this man was so verbally abusive. And I, I didn't come from a background where we categorize things as abuse, right? Or where yes. we acknowledge that things were trauma. Yes. I just was like, oh, so-and-so's mean or, oh, they're crazy. Or, you know, you would say little things, but you didn't know that, no, this is a problem. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a real problem. And this guy was verbally abusive. He would send me text messages with bold letters and all the exclamation points. Or mm. I would get on the phone. And one day I was like, okay, I'm a grown woman. I'm someone's mother and wife. Like you don't get to talk to me this way. But I remember the day that I lost my voice. I literally lost my voice Mm. out of the blue. I couldn't talk. And it was weird. Like, you know, I was like, I went from just talking last night to waking up with no voice. And I remember talking to someone and she was like, well, where in your life have you not been using your voice? Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh-huh, there with you, you know who, right? Yeah, yeah. And I had also just been diagnosed with high blood pressure out of the blue. Yeah. And I said, oh, no, right? So what was happening mentally and emotionally literally end up physically having an impact on my body. Mm-hmm. And some of those things are the reason that I even, you know, talk about as people are pursuing purpose, why I start with the fit pillar, because people can give you strategy all day. They can give you marketing advice and talk to you about messaging and all these things, but you don't have the capacity to receive it if you're blocked with yeah. all these other things that to your point, you're not even self-aware about mm-hmm. like, you just like, oh, that's how I am, or oh, I had a bad day, or oh, I felt this way, but not recognizing there's something deeper to this. And I start everything with this idea of you have to be aware of what's going on, what limiting beliefs, where yeah. did this come from? Why do you keep saying this? Yeah. Because if you don't recognize it, how can you ever recondition it? <sighs> exactly. How do you reprogram yourself if you don't, aren't even aware of the programming that you have? And, you know, especially when when you're raising kids, you know, when you're raising kids, there's so many things that we do on autopilot because we were parented a certain way. So, you know, it's it's like my goal to make sure we stop generational trauma. And being, you know, being a black woman, you know what I'm talking about. Like you said, you don't even recognize abuse as abuse because it's just so conditioned. Mm -hmm. 
in our lives over and over and over yeah, for generations. Yes, normalized. Yeah, normalized. You're like, oh, this is what all, it's not really not until, you know, and this is what I love social media for, right? So people are like, oh, social media is awful. It's the devil, it's evil, all these things. But what I love is when you get to get to peek in to other conversations or, you know, other people's lives or homes or whatever they're sharing, you go, oh, wait, everybody doesn't do that. Or Mm -hmm. that's like, or everybody didn't do that. Mm -hmm. There's things that I endured and experienced as a young person that I just literally didn't know that other people didn't do it, experience it, go through, had no idea, didn't know that it was abnormal because it was my normal. right? Right. Yeah. And I love what you said about breaking those generational cycles and curses or whatever you want to call them, just the generational trauma, Mm -hmm. because I have been a much more intentional parent than I was raised with. And my mom was a a wonderful person, but she didn't know what she didn't know. And there are just some things that when I think about what I did, what I heard, what I saw, (laughs) what I got away with, I'm like, Reagan don't stand a chance. She, she's going (laughs) to She's going to pull whatever she's going to pull, but it's not going to be these things. Right? <laughs> because, you know, as someone said on my podcast, Dr. Tama, she says, sometimes when we look back at the folks that raised us, we also have to understand that they didn't necessarily have the luxury of pursuing the modalities of healing that we get to do. It would never have occurred to my mother to go to therapy. Yes. It would never have occurred to her to apologize to me. It would have never occurred to her, right? Because she didn't see it, didn't hear it, didn't have an example, didn't have connection. And when everyone is hiding behind the things that happen at home and we're just not having real conversations, how do you even know, again, to your parents' defense, right? Right. How did they know that it wasn't wise or wasn't the best thing to do that if they weren't having real conversations about these things or seeing other people have those conversations so that they can have a moment of awareness. Right. That secrecy, yeah. the secrecy too, you know, cause there had to be a moment, you know, what I will say is that I know my mother did better than her mother. Oh yes. And therefore, if there's some incremental improvement, I'm hoping by my son's child, we'll have this figured out. You know, that's what I'd say. <laughs> uh, I always tell Reagan, I and I tell her straight up, I say, you know what? And I've been telling her this since she was like nine or 10. We've had like really great conversations. And I say, I explained to her why I had to practice becoming affectionate mm-hmm. because I wasn't naturally affectionate. Like I'm not naturally all that hugger, hugger and, and, and all the kisses and again, and the multiple kisses, right? When she was a baby, I could do it. But as she got older, it's just, I never saw an example of that. And I definitely didn't experience it. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell her, well, mommy didn't have this. That's not an excuse for me not to do it. I want you to know why you may see me back up. Yes. Or you may see me flinch. My initial reaction is to kind of back up. Right. And then I have to be present, mm-hmm. come to an awareness that you're backing up from your only child, like from your <laughs> child. And then I'll tell her, you know, I'm mommy, sorry, you just caught me off guard, you know, or whatever. And then I can go back in. But I have to tell her that 
You know, my mom didn't know how to be affectionate because my grandma didn't know how to be affectionate because my great grandma didn't know how to be affectionate. Right. It's not, I'm not just this way. No, this, you know, this is what it is, but she's so affectionate and I try to nurture that, but I'll tell her, you're going to be, you're going to give the best hugs when your mom, like mm-hmm. you are going to just, you like your kids are so lucky. They're going to be so blessed with you because you're going to love and dote on them until they're like, mom, seriously, stop. As opposed to you where you're like, could you hug me longer? That was quick. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Right. But I love that I could talk to her and tell her why. Right. So that she doesn't take it personally. She hasn't internalized it to be about her. Yes. And I love that. I love that because I have that conversation with my son too. You can't, Mm -hmm. I apologize because you have the awareness now and you understand what the impact is. But just letting him know, especially during my time, I say, this is all about me. And so I don't want you to think it's about you. It may not be fun and it may make you feel a certain way, but the the foundation of this is nothing to do with you. It also teaches them some boundaries. Yeah. It teaches them to give space and not to be, you know, the super narcs that they are at this age. <laughs> <laughs> the you world know. does not revolve. The world does not revolve around you 24 seven. So, you know, it's a, it's a juggling. Okay. So we're on the fifth pillar. Oh girl, I forgot about the pillar. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> this is so good. Okay. So the second, the second pillar is people and it's about creating relationships that matter. And I think that's, it just speaks to what we were just talking about, right? Like, one of the things that I see prevent people from purpose is that they're scared of how it's going to impact the people closest to them, mm-hmm. right? If I'm out serving the world, doing these things, being this person, giving in this way, what will happen with my loved ones, right? And the thing is, we live in such a society that just glorifies for so many years, and I see the tide turning, but for so many years, as, as I've been, you know, growing up or maturing, that glorifies hustle culture, so it's, I sleep when I'm dead. I'm a oh. hustling grind. I'm, you know, I'm gonna do all the things. And then, so as a parent, what hit me is like, I can't work to say that I'm doing all of these things for my child and then take any time I could potentially spend with my child being present, not just in her presence, but present with my child. I'm devoting to doing all the things. Right. And then telling her, well, I'm doing it for you. Well, if the people that you're doing it for don't even feel a connection to it, feel the love, feel the, like, what good is it? And that has really helped me in terms of being clear about my work time versus my family time. When I unplug, I unplug. When I'm present with my, my child, she's showing me all the TikTok videos now, but I don't have my phone open. You know, I'm not rolling. I'm not engaging. I'm just laughing with her at all these videos. And I love in the evening, Trina, when I'm done with work for the day, she's winding down with homework now. And about 7.30, we can meet at the kitchen counter when I had a counter. My Mm. kitchen's being remodeled right now. But we can meet at the kitchen counter. And she's like, okay, here's everything I saved. And I have to go through all the things that cracked up for the day, but that's our time. And my husband, you know, that's our time. So sometimes when I come upstairs, he'll say, I love hearing you guys just laugh and talk. In the thought of him not really hearing that, that in the household where, where, you know, when we were growing up, it was kind of like, do this, do that chores, you know, but just that real, 
bonding, not just at a holiday or on the weekend, but making time for that every evening, every day. For me, that allows me to keep showing up and doing what I do, because when I'm here, when I'm with you, I'm present. When I'm interviewing, when I'm interviewing someone for my podcast, when I'm doing brand work, when I'm coaching my clients, I'm present. I don't have this nagging fear in the back of my head, like, oh my God, my daughter hates me. I don't have it now, but the only reason I'm here is because I used to have it and I had to get intentional about, you know, carving out that time to be present with the people I say I love so that I, I'm free to pursue mm-hmm. what I'm called to do but their boundaries. Yeah. I work when I work and I'm with my family when I'm with my family. And yes. very rarely am I trying to force or mush all of that together. That's that's beautiful to hear because, you know, I still juggle a little bit. I don't have that because especially when you're starting out, your focus, but everything you said reminded me of gentle reminders, you know, the children's yeah. clothing that I, that mm-hmm. I do and the shirts that say, don't grind a line mm-hmm. and, you know, love that. slowly put the phone down and look into my eyes. You know, it's like t-shirt for the kids with the, the eyeballs, like looking yeah. hypnotized <laughs> because that is probably the biggest signpost for me is that my son, when I get too pulled in, he goes, mom, you're staring at the phone too much. I want a phone, (laughs) you know? And, and the thing is, is that he calls me on it, which I said, he, okay, you're right. Let me Mm -hmm. put this away because you don't realize that you're picking up the phone every five seconds. And, and, you know, I have to be intentional, leave it in the other room and be present with him. You know what I love about that, though, because Reagan would do that to me. And still, if if it's like a time and she's like, OK, I thought and thought you were going to be done. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here. Right. Because mm-hmm. there everything revolves around them. Mm-hmm. We both have only children. So that's a whole yeah. other a whole, um, other <laughs> a whole other layer of their expectations. Right. But I love that he's able to say it mm-hmm. and you can receive it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, that when my daughter calls me on stuff. It's not the response of, well, I'm the mom. Mm. Ma'am, you're wrong. No, I don't care that you're 40 and I'm 12. <laughs> you're wrong. It does not matter. If she's asking for, so the boundaries part, I also believe that she has a healthy respect of who I am and what I do and what mm. I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So if I say mom needs to do this, this, and that, and then I can focus, Okay, when I tell her and then I can focus on us, then that's what I need to do. Because if I don't, then I'm breaking my word to her. And I can't imagine maybe it would have gone off. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) If in 1988, I would have said, you're not focused on me. I don't. You guys should see my face right now. I don't think I would have survived the day saying something like that. (laughs) Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? The world doesn't revolve around you. I said what I said. Do as I say. All the things, right? And so... All those things that reinforce that you don't matter. Yes. And then we wonder why we go out into the world and we're in relationships or we have this imposter syndrome at our, Mm. our jobs or in our careers because this notion of like you're secondary or no one wants to listen to you. That's one of the biggest things that we talk about every week in, in Purpose to Platform now. Yes, yes. It's this 
this idea like, well, who's going to listen to me? I'm like, there's so many people that want to listen to you. But when you come from a background of not being heard or when you tried to speak up and say something and you were dismissed, you were denied, you know, shut down, shut down, sometimes violently shut down. Mm -hmm. You know, it's heartbreaking when I think about it. And, you know, one of the things that is so important and, and what I'm doing in my coaching is that I teach people to reparent themselves as their parent, their child, through the parenting process of their own child. Because I say, at that moment, when you want to respond in the old way you were taught, think about your little you in your child's eyes. Look, look, look at, just change it. You know what my son said one time, (laughs) because he overheard me with someone saying this. He says, mom, I thought all this time you were doing this for me, but you've been doing it for you. (laughs) You're smart. Oh my goodness. I said, let's put it this way, sweetheart. I'm doing it for you by Mm. doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because as I'm doing it for me, I can show up for you. Yeah. And remember my experience through yours. And so let it be that way. It's not like you're not important. I'm doing all of this for you. (laughs) But I need to embrace me in the process. I think to your point, I'm like through the affection that I'm learning to show Reagan, I do feel like I'm going back and and healing little pieces of the little girl that felt like I never got a hug Mm. or like I never really got any, I never felt like people were happy to see me. I know what you mean. You know, it's like, here you come. I had to take you to school. I had to, okay, well, I also didn't ask to be here, but that's another story. (laughs) 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 Please stop treating me like a burden. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think of that to your point sometimes when I find myself wanting to respond a certain way Mm -hmm. or where I'm like, Reagan says I have this look when she knows I'm busy. She says, I go, yes, Reagan. And she's like, if you say, yes, Reagan, I know that you need more time. If you say, boop, like, you know, then I know, okay, I can kind of maybe stand here, Mm -hmm. but don't do too much. But if you say, yes, Reagan, I'm just going to leave and go to my room. She's like, I already have it down. Right. But like, I just love, I love what you do so much, Trina. Like, I love the work that you do because I don't know that I, I have one friend it doesn't need to reparent themselves. I really don't believe that I know one person who can honestly look back and say like, oh, everything was amazing and there's (laughs) nothing I need to go back and do. We have endured a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. in many different ways. And to not go back and look at it, man, the trauma that we unknowingly continue to inflict and then the pain that we stay in because we won't do the work to recognize and, and recondition. It's just, it's huge. This is it's, huge. It's breaking down a foundation that has been built over the years. And that is just terrifying for people to think that everything that they believed who they were, what they were about is gone, 
crumbling down, nothing left. And I always say, but once you break that foundation, you get to build a new house. You get to build a new version. And if you don't take that accountability to even the harm you have done to yourself and other people, you will never learn the lesson and you will repeat, press, repeat, press, repeat, and still not get it, not get the point of why we're here, the purpose. You know, I love that illustration because I think the fear in it is that if I break this down, I'll be left with an empty lot. Yeah. It's the fear of, well, well, then what? I'm just going to have a vacant lot. And it's Mm -hmm. that, you know, your conversation is that reminder that, no, we're going to break it down just like we see construction. I don't know what people are buying during this pandemic, but it's construction (laughs) all around my house. You noticed that too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's so much construction going on and you see that they will level someplace and then they go deep to rebuild that foundation Mm -hmm. for the new, I'm sure it's probably a better foundation than what was there for the last structure. Mm -hmm. And then erect something amazing, you know, over the next year or however long it takes. But that awareness that just because you have to dismantle some limiting beliefs, some old ideas, you know, whatever thoughts, it doesn't mean that you're going to be left with an empty or vacant lot. It's just clearing the space for you to now go deeper, drill deeper, create a new solid foundation on healthy principles, on whole ideas, mm-hmm. on, on thoughts of abundance and not lack and scarcity, and then really build this skyscraper that you were called to be. Like, yeah. that's it. There's no limits to what you can build, but you got to go back. And I just told a girlfriend of mine that, you know, I've been friends for her for 20 something years. And she, she's like, same like you. She's having a problem finding her voice. Her throat, throat chakra is, is blocked. And I said, well, have you been dealing with your childhood trauma? Oh no, that would take forever. I said, well, honey, that's where you have to start. You well, have I, to. <laughs> I don't know who to talk to. I said, you have a wellspring of friends, myself included, mm-hmm. that are certified to do that for you. You know, the hat and the friend hat and the coach hat go off <laughs> and on. This is not the same conversation. You know, we got methods we got uh, things we have you make you follow and do I'm not just holding your hand and saying it's all right girl you know yeah. it's, it's different and I said you got people around you and she does she has several people around her that can that are doing Reiki they're doing all kinds of healing modalities I said take advantage of the people who are there because you're able to be vulnerable with them Mm-hmm. Now you able to be that unless you, of course, have some opinion. Now that will block you. Yeah. Of the, yeah, that's yeah, true. that will block I, you. I was going to say, and there probably is something I believe there's something that stops us from giving ourselves permission to just heal. Mm. Like, you know, even to the point where people's identity have been so caught up in what happened and what didn't happen. They're so attached to this label, Mm -hmm. you know, of themselves that they won't give themselves permission to move past it. Like, 
there's a lot of people who have maybe a similar experience. They haven't stopped and labeled themselves mm-hmm. and just said, well, this is who I am. Mm. You know, I'm, I was a teen mother. Okay, but you're 56 now. Exactly. You, know? like, <laughs> you are no longer a teen mother. Yeah, your child is a whole 42, <laughs> right? Like, you can move past this. That doesn't have to be the story anymore. Exactly. And if we're stuck in that story, then what are we? What do we end up passing on again? Like, how? what do we end up passing on so I grow and I still haven't hit all the pillars they sure haven't we keep going (laughs) they're just so deep and dense and (laughs) like okay this is what we're gonna do name all the rest of the pillars okay so they know what they are because I want my listeners to look you up and understand yeah this is is your method and this is what you focus on okay so we said okay what was so I gave you fit pillar I gave you people pillar the next one is space pillar I am so big on this idea of just understanding that it's our responsibility to set our lives up to support us Mm -hmm. so if we say we want something if we say we're going to do something how does our environment actually reflect that so that we can make it happen the next one is the faith pillar this is about believing in something greater it's not about, oh, you're a Christian, oh, you're a Buddhist, oh, you're whatever. For me, it's about being connected to something so that when life happens, you already have a process for how you deal, for how are you resilient? How are you going to move through that? Yeah. How do you self-regulate? How do you you self-regulate? And so if you say that you have a belief of some, some kind, do you make time for it? Because usually we wait until things blow up in our face and then we're like, well, maybe I should go. But it's it's <laughs> to tap into what you already do. It's not to go, not that you can't, but I just think it makes a really tough time tougher. Yeah, yeah. well, it's um, not your Band-Aid, it's your habit. It's how you yeah. You know. Yeah. Then there's the work pillar, living your life's purpose, which is essentially, you know, what we started talking about, just really tapping into what your gifts are and how you can use your gifts, your talents, your experience to do great work in the world. And I will say the big thing here for me is that a lot of people say, well, follow your passion and the money will come. I don't believe that. Uh-uh. I think that you can be really, really passionate, which means you're excited, you're energized, you're pumped up about it and, and not be talented or gifted <laughs> or skilled in it like you can I can sing in the shower all day you're not gonna pay me you wouldn't pay me if you were wise like you know but I'm passionate okay but I'm not Whitney like that's fine this is not Beyonce you gonna you, get you not you you, you, you put your fingernails on chalkboard right now yeah <laughs> you gonna get a little something different right so you wouldn't pay me for that mm-hmm. passion is for you purpose is for others yeah. And when you tap into your gifts and how you can find a sweet spot between your gifts, your experience, your education and what the market needs and what you have an interest in. And when you start to go down that road, you can become passionate about purpose because yes. purpose is going to serve more than just you. Passion only makes you happy it, for, for many people, not all. Some people are passionate about the thing that they can use for purpose. Not all of us are so so inclined like you know I had to get passionate about writing and speaking and then the last one is money and finally the finance expert talks about money I rarely talk about money (laughs) or I talk about all the other parts of life that impact our finances but I would say the big thing is now once you start to have these conversations like to your friend you know once she starts to deal with that childhood trauma so much can be unlocked 
like the road to get to where you say you want to go with your finances, with your wealth building endeavors, with your business, you know, can really expand once you allow some of these other areas to be healed. Because if not, you're going to stay circling in these cycles of confusion Mm -hmm. around your relationships, around your health, around, you know, whatever, your faith and all this. And then your attention will have to keep being directed there as opposed to on the thing that you said you wanted to do. And that's why we can say it and declare it all day and make no progress because the truth is we are confused and consumed with these other areas that are impacting our finances just you know maybe not as directly as we think it's not the job it's not the boss it's not if I move it's not if I get a different house it's not if you know when I get married when I get divorced <laughs> like it's all like the well if here. well if I did this or if I did that or if 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 ifs and all those ifs just kind of like can't multiply and you never move you never on move anything. it's the happy when Yeah, that's what I'm always my word for this year is contentment. And my Mm -hmm. prayer every day is that I be content with contentment Mm -hmm. and not happy when I'm happy now. I got to just keep choosing every day, no matter what my experience has been to fight for gratitude and be happy now. So, yes, that happened. But today I'm happy that whatever, you know, and I just feel like in, in this time, we're so bombarded with all the images and social media and the perfect little, you know, matching families and, mm. you know, mm-hmm. the perfect this and the perfect that, that it really contributes to this idea. Well, when I get that, when I have my engagement photos, you know, that yeah. look like this, when I have the birthday party with the 1600 balloons going across, girl, you at home, where mm-hmm. are you going with all these balloons? Mm-hmm. One picture. I hope like how long are these balloons going to be there. Right. Like, but you know, you hear it and, and I'm guilty. Sometimes you feel it. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, okay. Well, when I do that and then I have to, Oh, 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 oh ma'am. Yeah. No. No. You're good now. I'm good today. I'm I'm good right now because exactly. I don't know what's happening on the other side of those balloons. I don't know what they got going. I may not have balloons, but I'm okay over here, right? Yeah. Comparing yourself is the worst thing that you can do to go forward. And I know because I lived in L.A. <laughs> and you know I'm from L.A., so. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know you was from L.A. Yeah, too. I'm from L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I you know the the way to look, the body image and 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 beyond the fit pillar, beyond that ideal of being fit, you don't have to be a size 0 to be fit. Right. Cuz the so, fit pillar is not about a number on the scale or a dress size. No. Cuz no. you can look thin or whatever you measure it to be and be completely unhealthy because that's been my experience more than once. Mine too, mine too. By the way, you look good in those Bahama pictures. (gasps) Thank you, girl. I was like, look at Patrice, looking all tight. Okay. I was like, but I ain't comparing. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm good because, you know, yeah, yeah, really. It's and it's it's been liberating because you know, when you first said the fit pillar, I was just like, yeah, I need to do things. I need to, but I don't need to sweat all the time. I've never been one of those people who needed to sweat hard to lose mm-hmm. weight. I just watch what I eat, take a mental break because it's those cortisol levels that be making me yeah. weight. Yeah, the stress hormone. So I just you know, as long as I keep my cool and calm. I just maintain, you know. Sometimes for me, it's going to sleep. Oh, 
It's just go, go the heck to sleep. Go to like. sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. I just read about COVID that it's a connection. Melatonin that you produce mm-hmm. to make you tired is actually helping fight COVID-19. Because when wow. you sleep, you rejuvenate. This is the most powerful time of your, your day is when you're sleeping, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet so, you have people saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And it's um, like, you're going to be dead a lot no faster. <laughs> yeah, team no sleep. And they wear being tired and exhausted like a badge of honor. And <sighs> especially here, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. and in like Western cultures where it's just Same so, you know, yeah, where it's so capitalistic. It's like, oh, you're only as good as like however many hours you worked. And I've just been like, no, like I don't even work on Wednesdays. Well, the, you can have an amazing opportunity for me. It would have to be outstanding mm-hmm. for me to say, okay, I'll go ahead and do that. I don't care if it's 10 minutes. Like mm-hmm. I need, I know that my days are, can be so packed that I wanted to create a day off in the middle of the week. So I work yes. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, so that I can have that time to, to come back down, to mm-hmm. rest, to do whatever. Be you in know, your house. <laughs> to just be. Yeah. And, and people are like, well, what do you do on Wednesdays? Nothing. If I don't feel like it, I may yeah. do nothing. I have therapy. Mm-hmm. And then I may do nothing. The goal is not to jam pack it with a to-do list and feel like, oh, it's now it's my personal stuff. Yeah. You know, I remember my assistant's like, do you want me to book your, you know, doctor's appointment on Wednesday? No, that's my day. I don't even want to go to the doctor on Wednesday. I just want to be. Yeah. You know what it is, is, and I, I talked to my listeners about this, globalization of trauma, the slave mentality is, you know, I feel like, our purpose has always been perpetuated to do something for someone, for some reason. Mm-hmm. And we're just always in this go, go, go slave mentality. I'm not valuable unless yeah. I'm doing something. Unless I'm doing. And, and I'm making money for someone or myself, even myself. But it's just, I said, let go of the overseer. Oh, just... Be, be, just be. <laughs> you are nobody's slave. You're not a slave to yourself. Just be. Nina, let go of the overseer. Mm-hmm. <gasps> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, wow. That's so true. That is so true. Yeah. Even as when folks transition to entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. one of the things, you know, I, I, I try to remind people in one of our modules where we talk about, you know, building an empire is remembering that you're not creating a, a job for yourself. Like this is not right. I'm going to the, the same. Oh, I left there because they abused me, underpaid me, didn't, you know, didn't do this, didn't do that, worked me all day. And then you leave there and create the exact same scenario with your name on it. Exactly. Because you don't know any different. Yeah. You think that's the only pathway to success. I have seen so many people who are millionaires, billionaires. Mm-hmm. They barely work. Mm-hmm. They barely work. Mm-hmm. I, I swear they're generating some manifestation powers, visualization, <laughs> or whatever they do. They they just they like zen with it. No, I'm not doing that today. I work two days a week. That's what I want. I'm like, mm-hmm. how do I get to I'm getting there, sis? Getting I see you getting there two days a week. Two days a week. And the rest of that is just me 
manifesting the rest, mm-hmm. you know, manifesting the rest. Being okay being, with it. Being, yeah, okay, being okay with, with it. where I am, you know, and mm-hmm. so that's all we can do. That's, that's what we should be doing. We need to be present for ourselves and for our kids. And, you know, I've been looking at those gorgeous pictures of your daughter. And, you know, what's so interesting when, when I first heard of you, mm-hmm. it was on impact theory. Yeah. And that's where I found you. And you said that you didn't feel attractive. I was like, girl, look in the mirror. Come on. Yeah. But it's a perfect example of all that negative messaging and all that comparing that we do. And sometimes reinforced by our own families. Because, you know, my mom was always, when I was your age, I was this size and I was that size. Mm-hmm. I was like, you were poor, broke, living in a shack. You ain't got no food. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that part. Don't forget that part. Shoot, mm-hmm. I would have been skinny too. No. <laughs> 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 Knowing that I never had any real weight issues or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It was just a programming. It's just, yeah. you know, but it, yeah, it's... I'm very grateful. You know, by no means do I think that Reagan has had a perfect 10 years. By no means do I think that she's like some saint child that, you know, none of those things. I'm a realist. (laughs) If I'm nothing else, I am a realist. But I do know when I look at her, I see a level of confidence and clarity around who she is, whether that's with friends. She's quick to be like, mm, yeah, I don't do with friends who talk to me like that or I don't really like that behavior. Or she told me one day about a friend, I don't like the path she's going down, so I'm just going to remove myself from her. Girl, <laughs> I'm 13 like, oh, okay. years old, okay. Yeah, straight Preach. up told, told me, right? And she's, she's been this way. I mean, she's been this way since like second grade. And I say, you know, like you said, better with each generation. The fact that she has the confidence, the strength, the cognizance, the recognition, like, oh, I I see where this is going and I'm not going with you. And here I was like, I just want somebody to love me. I go, right? I'm just doing <laughs> stuff, right? At her I age. just want friends. Yeah, I'm just trying to be friends. Like, you know, I got to be in the group or click or something to be okay here. I just know that it'll, it's getting better that I've done my part. You know, when I leave this earth, I know that I will leave with the assurance and the confidence that I did my best to raise a productive citizen. I used to say that as a teenager, I just want to raise productive citizens. I don't know where I got that from or why, but I've been saying it since I was like 15. And I know that I'll leave having raised a productive citizen who is more emotionally intelligent, more aware, more curious, more compassionate, more understanding, you know, bolder than I was. Like all the things, not that she's going to be perfect. I don't expect her to do what I've done, to go down my, you know, follow my footsteps. I have no expectation of that because she's going to answer her own call. But that I did my best to untie some of the things that have been strongholds in my lineage for at least four generations that I'm aware of. Mm. And I have peace with that. For me, when we talk about redefining wealth, Mm. one of those things for me is not money. It's how am I leaving her emotionally? Mm. Does she have to start her life with as much emotional baggage and mental fatigue Mm. that I had? She doesn't have to. And that's because of the work 
that I'm committed to doing because of knowing people like you that constantly reinforce those messages, even online. And when I'm following you on Instagram and stuff, like we get to do better. And I'm very, very grateful that that was a possibility and I don't have to continue these cycles. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much, Patrice. It's been such a pleasure. I I could just talk with you two for for hours, but somebody would probably yell at me and say, Patrice got another call. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She's got to go. But, you know, I know I could trick you into some more time, but I'm not going to do that. Don't don't (laughs) trick me, girl. You know, I got another call. But this was so good. You're so easy to talk to. I love this. I loved it. This was so good. Well, well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy and productive day to share with me your experience and your parenting experience and and, and to give people the, the faith that you can can pursue your purpose and be a parent at the same time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this or that. Of course, you prioritize your child because, like you said, mm-hmm. I want to I want to raise a productive and caring and emotionally intelligent citizen moving forward. Because what we leave them is what will will be for the yeah. future. So let's yeah. do better. Yeah, let's do better. I'm with it. Thank you so much, (laughs) Trina. Thank you, Patrice. And let's talk soon, okay? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. What a great interview. Wow. We really wanted to keep talking to Patrice. She just has so much value and so much to share with the world and such a great purpose. And so, but she is also a very busy woman. So I appreciate her taking the time to speak to me and be on EQ Above IQ. If you want to reach out to Patrice, please go to Patrice washington.com and you can sign up for her many programs. I highly recommend Purpose to Platform. That was great. Make sure you go check out her new book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself and get that advice that you need in order to redefine your wealth. Let's find your purpose. And you know what? You don't have to give up the striving. What we said, one of the things I really loved is We need to align with our purpose. It's not just grinding. And because grinding doesn't make you happy. Free yourself from the overseer, as I said in the interview. And let's let's move forward and move forward in purpose. You can also hear her podcast, Redefining Wealth, and where she speaks to many different coaches and entrepreneurs and people out there who are giving so much good value to you and the people in the world, adding value to the world. And that's what's important to me. And that's what's going to make us a more emotionally intelligent world. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and I will see you next time. Have a blessed day.